should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because this was the cost of our Faustian bargain. My what name is get? Kevin, and <laughs> don't you interrupt me. My <laughs> name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who refuses to buy Wi-Fi on 12-hour flights. The ATAR flights, first of all. Whatever it is. Second of all, I would like to know you what were I in suppose- the air as rights were taken away, That's and I true. couldn't even contact you about it. That's true. Yeah, um, I would like to know what I got out of the Faustian bargain, because <laughs> at least at least Doctor Faust has well, got to meet hair. Mephistopheles. We know that. It wasn't yeah, hair. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Hey, maybe it was for the first 25 years of my life. Maybe I was meant to be bald for the whole time. Ballot! What's a yeah. favorite new purchase of yours that you've made recently? Ooh, good question. Uh, can I say my cat? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. I uh, guess that My works. cat brings me great joy. Uh, uh, you've been home for a whole day and I know, I know. got the cat back. Wait, how did you get the cat back last night? Uh, it was at your wife's yeah, parents' house. Yeah, yeah, they came up. Okay, so they were there when you got back for yeah, the fireworks yeah. and stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Well, your first Fourth of July as an American. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations. Yeah, I don't feel I super guess. great about America right now <laughs> as a whole. Uh, yeah, no, not a whole so lot of reason to. Not, not feeling very land of the free right now. Um, nope. I felt, I felt better about America. I don't know if you addressed this while I was away, but uh, Roe v. Wade got overturned. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I don't know if I addressed it. Of course I fucking addressed it. Yeah. Well, as you uh, know, I didn't listen to the episodes while yes, I was away. So. Yes, yes, you were on vacation. You have an excuse. Um, you gonna, you gonna ask me a question, you dick? Wait, what question am I supposed to be asking you? What about you? Your one job. You no, have you one don't, job. You don't, I don't normally have to ask that. It's only if I care, oh. and I frankly don't. Um, what's your... So, sorry, Kevin. <sighs> his, I have a question for you, and you might be surprised at what the question mm-hmm. is. Oh, yeah? I will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is one recent purchase that you're just loving right now? Well, Benedict, if I was asked that question out of the blue, uh-huh. uh, let's just say completely unprepared to answer, okay. not having thought about it ahead of time, I would say is my new T-shirt, which okay. reads "Eric Greitens molest pigeons." Uh, which <laughs> I thought they wouldn't let you make that. T-shirt. Zazzle wouldn't. Zazzle wouldn't. But I found a local St. Louis T-shirt shop, which did allow me to make that order. <laughs> Free speech, baby! And sent it to me. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, they're here in St. Louis, so they know who Eric Greitens is. So they probably just agreed with the sentiment. Uh-huh. Uh, but I wore that yesterday at the 4th of July festival here in St. Louis and uh, uh, got some looks. <laughs> yeah, I get, got, got a handful of like your shirts. <laughs> it's really like my Eric Greitens molest pigeons is, it's t-shirt is uh, causing a lot of questions already <laughs> answered by my, you literally can say that now. That's exactly what it is. I got on the elevator with one of the people who lives in my building who like did a double take and went, wait, what does your shirt say? And I said, the truth. <laughs> And just stayed silent the rest of the <laughs> elevator ride. <laughs> and Kevin lives on a high floor, so that was a long oh, elevator. It's the ride. greatest. It's the greatest.
greatest t-shirt ever. Seriously, I'm going to have so many novelty t-shirts made from these people now. It's just wonderful. I found a place to get all my needs met. Anyways, Ben. Can you not say anything, not put anything in a t-shirt that might get me sued? They that won't get great. you sued. It's obviously parody. It's obviously mm. a joke. Uh, this is a show where we go deep. Mm, deep, 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 to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction, and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Better let's start us off. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Uh, I do, and it is that uh, Amsterdam is a very cool city. No, it's not very, <laughs> you didn't not even get high. Take. No, that's true. Uh, for the purposes of the of this podcast, I did not get high. <laughs> for, no. the, for any purposes. Stop <laughs> no, no. trying to sound cooler than you are no, no, by no, trying no. to insinuate no, I, you it, did look, when okay. I know for a fact you didn't. For, for sure. I, I definitely did not. Um, <laughs> but the uh, it's just a really cool city. Benedict's a narc. Benedict's I, a fucking I, narc. Listen, I am not a narc. I will not tell the world that <laughs> People get high. I will just not do it myself very much. Mm-hmm. Um, can you imagine my brain being paranoid? Yes. It is absolutely yes. not. No, it is nobody. Nobody That's with a brain. Why I wanted like... you to come visit me in DC without your wife. <laughs> <laughs> nobody with a brain that works like mine should ever do mind-altering substances. Oh, it's uh, weed. It's not fucking shrooms. No, or I know. Fucking well, LSD. Yeah. Although, how he said that, someone at my um, I have a rooftop which I watched mm-hmm. the. Uh, the fireworks from last night and this woman came upstairs and announced to someone who was laid out on a hammock she's like oh my god i'm having such a good time i'm on shrooms can you tell (laughs) and then (laughs) proceeded to be like the most on shroom seeming person that you've ever seen shrooms are making a comeback there's like people are like micro dosing shrooms fucking should if they whatever gets you through the week yeah whatever you got to do in the nightmare hellscape of the 2022 fascist america yeah. we live in anyway sure. amsterdam is a cool city it seems very cosmopolitan they've got their shit down i went on a really cool walking tour where they explained why the sex and the drugs are such a big part mm-hmm. of the culture of the city yeah yeah he didn't do drugs he went on a walking tour yeah. and heard about the which drugs. look if there's any, if there's anything more on brand than that That's for me you. i will not find you. you will not find it like oh look people are getting high <laughs> Anyway, so that was that. Um, what about you? Do you have a hot take? Yes, Other than I do, I'm a knock. Yes, I do. And it's that all flights just should just have free Wi-Fi at That's this point. That's true. It was 30 bucks. It I makes no Because yeah. I knew you'd be mad at me. That's bullshit. That's it bullshit. It was 30 bucks. Delta, Delta Airlines. Come on, man. I think over the last year or two, um, I because all my flights are fucking insanely long, uh, I, I, like, I got up to like the, the first tier of oh, the American shit. Airlines, whatever that is, you know, thing. Because yeah, I've been yeah, back and like forth the to platinum rewards, a bunch of times. Fucker, like... Yeah, yeah. So, like, I get to walk into that super special lounge, which is, is just a place with chairs. There's nothing really special about that lounge. <laughs> I mean, it's just what a else is a lounge but a place with chairs, ultimately? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I do get, I think I get a discount on Wi-Fi on American Airlines. Oh, wow. So it's now only, like, 17 bucks instead of But seriously, of fucking... it's fucking 2022. Just make it goddamn free already. Just make it free. We're not going to put up with this shit any longer. Make it free, airlines. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what will cause me to riot. That's the, that, that's the line for me, anyway. When you see Benedict in front of the Supreme Court, it'll be free Wi-Fi. <laughs> that's right. Picketing. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, housekeeping this week. Uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on all the social medias, of course, by which I mean just Twitter, uh, at NYGBCPod and at NYGBCBen. Mm-hmm. Um 
And uh, so with uh, Spooky World New World Order this week, we have some additions, but I also want to note that it has been three weeks now, I think, since we recorded. Uh, so yeah. I have not been keeping the best track in the meantime of people who have done things Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to be worthy of the Spooky World New World Order. So, oh, Tinker's Dam ordered Prontos. That was cool. Uh, all right. All right. That's worthy. But uh, if you did something and sent it to me and I didn't uh, mention it today, uh, get back to me. Just remind me and I will get you next week uh, in the Spooky World New World Order. But that, anyways, we have three new patrons to induct oh, into the Spooky World New World Order this week. We have Melissa C. You are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. Bless. Polly Hauptman. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. You're now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And at Daniel Duncan 4SC on Twitter, a state politician getting around ad rates one month at a time. <laughs> I'll endorse that message. Sure, You're now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And I, I, uh, there are messages on Patreon I haven't had time to respond to yet. It's been a crazy couple of weeks, as you can imagine. But also, Brent Lee, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And I don't remember why you're on the list, Brentley, but I'm assuming it's because you promoted us and you're great and we love you and everyone should check out your YouTube as well. Uh, but if you want to be part of the Spooky World New World Order, of course, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending it to others and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can and drop me a screenshot to let me know that you did. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good and you'll be inducted. I... Go ahead, sorry. Nope. Nope, nope, they'll be inducted. That's I, it. That's it. <laughs> just inducted. Indicted, inducted, <laughs> whatever. I know, I just wanted to say that I um, am very bad at checking my Twitter notifications, especially when I'm on vacation. So mm-hmm. I apologize if I don't get back to people quickly. I will get back to you within five working days. Oh, how old was that prawn toast message? Was that like six oh, weeks ago and you just uh, now noticed? No, it was like, a, it was this week. <laughs> okay, at least it, it was, was this it week. Was, it was this week. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nice. But anyways, Benedict, all that out of the way. We now get to today's topic. And um uh, I've been I've been stalling, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned, I think people know what this we're gonna be talking about this week. And I just to just to start off, Benedict, uh you don't know this because you're not looking at the episode on your iPhone, which mm. you don't have because you're one of those dirty Samsung people who makes my messages go green. That's true. Uh but the title of this week's episode, which normally I don't tell you ahead of time, but I'm very proud of this week is Conspiracy in the Time of Water Filters, which I'm very proud of for my play of Love in the Time of Cholera. Okay. I'm really, that's, I'm really I'll, proud I'll, of that. I can take that. Because this is our episode on Alex Jones and the monetization of paranoia. And uh, I want to start this week talking a little bit about the futility of arguing with conspiracy theorists, particularly those of the type we're going to talk about today. And I think this comes from my own place of personal experience and having done so. So when I was in my early 20s, I've talked about this bunch, my best friend Jordan was a huge Alex Jones-loving conspiracy fan. He believed all the conspiracies. And we, basically every day after work, hung out at the local sandwich shop, smoking cigars, having a beer, and talking about conspiracies. Yes, those things go together. Mm -hmm. And every time, I spent, like, the entire time we were there just destroying all of his dumb fucking conspiracy Because you weren't a crazy person at the time? I was. I was a far-right crypto-fascist. But for some reason, I wasn't down with his conspiracy. It's it's because, and this will go to something we're talking... This we're talking about, you know, 2010 to 2012-ish would have been around this time. And at this Mm -hmm. time, Alex Jones was still on that anti-government tip a little bit. 
There was a lot of very hard right crypto fashion involved in conspiracies even back then, but uh, a lot of it was still a continuation of stuff he had done during the Bush years. So it was still 9-11 was an inside job. It was still chemtrails. It was still all that sort of stuff. Which to me, those were anti-America conspiracy theories. Mm. Those weren't. Yeah, yeah I think we've talked about this before, right. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't okay, acceptable yeah, yeah. like the anti-Obama conspiracy theories. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because gotcha, gotcha. Obama wasn't a real American. Exactly. He was but, Kenyan yeah, Muslim. Yeah, we all know this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah it's, it's above reproach. We don't need to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we don't need to. But so, like, I would literally just sit there destroying whatever he was bringing up, and like, you know, we had iPhones at the time, right? They were around, so I'd just pull up stuff on my phone and be like, "No, look, you're you're fucking wrong. You just that's just wrong." Um, and that worked or no? Well, he would agree that whatever that point was that he was arguing was wrong, that he was wrong on that point. But he would never abandon the conspiracy, right? He was just convinced mm. that his particular explanation was wrong, but that there must be a better one that still makes his conspiracy true somehow, right? Gotcha. And I want to take a step back and link this all once again to this determination to hang on, this determination to hang on to proven falsehoods that support something that's still very central to them as a person to a common mm-hmm. core that runs through everything we're talking about in this series, which is hate, right? Hatred mm-hmm. of whoever their specific boogeyman is. And the funny thing is, Jordan was Jewish. And so, like, so many of these conspiracies have anti-Semitism at their core, and he would always run across that and be like, well, that site is obviously wrong. <laughs> 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 but my conspiracy well, is still true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. okay. And I also, in conjunction with this, I want to read a passage from a work by Jean-Paul Sartre. Okay, the anti-Semite all right. Getting real Jew. existential. Yeah, we yeah. are. The anti-Semite Sorry, did you Jew. Say, uh, which, okay. it, it's a work he wrote shortly after the Nazis were expelled from Paris in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look it up, you'll find plenty of criticism of the book for plenty of reasons. Uh, his treatment of Jews sort of as their own class and thing, it's problematic in a number of ways. But I think hardly anyone will deny that what I'm about to read for you is some pretty fucking astute observations that are prescient to our current day. And he said, okay. quote, The anti-Semite has chosen hate because hate is a faith. At the outset, he has chosen to devaluate words and reasons. How entirely at ease he feels as a result. How futile and frivolous discussions about the rights of the Jew appear to him. He has placed himself on other ground from the beginning. If out of courtesy he consents for a moment to defend his point of view, he lends himself but does not give himself. He tries simply to project his intuitive certainty onto the plane of discourse. I mentioned a while back some remarks by anti-Semites, all of them absurd. I hate Jews because they make servants insubordinate, because a Jewish furrier robbed me, etc. Never believe that anti-Semites are completely unaware of the absurdity of their replies. They know that their remarks are frivolous, open to challenge, but they are amusing themselves, for it is their adversary who is obliged to use words responsibly, since he Mm. believes in words." I think I I think I read this. I think this circulated around Twitter around the time of like Richard Spencer. Yes, a lot of and like this when goes they were, around they were every doing now like and then. The, yeah. yeah, when they were doing like the oh it's just words, it's just jokes. Right. Like He continued. Yeah, yeah. The anti Semites have the right to play. They even like to play with discourse, for by giving ridiculous reasons they discredit the seriousness of their interlocutors. They delight in acting in bad faith, since they seek not to persuade by sound argument, but to intimidate and disconcert. If you press them too closely, they will abruptly fall silent, loftily indicating by some phrase that the time for argument is past. It is not that they are afraid of being convinced. They fear only to appear ridiculous or to prejudice by their embarrassment their hopes of winning over some third person to their side. Now, he was writing about 
literal Nazis and anti-Semites, mm-hmm. obviously. At the time, yeah. But I think a lot of us, just from personal experience, if you've had them with people who believe in conspiracy theories, can see how the same impulses apply to them, especially people who are driven by a, a hate-driven conspiracy theory. And not to mention that we've already seen there are deep connections between most conspiracy theories and anti-Semitism. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we know that there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of overlap. Yeah, go back era. and listen to the Elders of Zion yeah, episode yeah, yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if you would like to figure out what Kevin's talking about there. Yeah. So if you recall... I would argue you shouldn't. And in fact, you probably shouldn't even listen to this podcast. So if you recall that episode on the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, primarily, we discussed what conspiracy theories are, how they work, the right-wing predilection towards them, and, like we said, the grandpappy of conspiracy, the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. I didn't give the full title at all whenever we were doing that episode. I realized afterwards I never said the full title. Uh, yeah, I just called it, feels, it the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, right. but it's of the learned elders of Zion. It goes mm-hmm. in there. So, But today, I hope to take you on a journey deeper, darker, sweatier, a bit grosser, uh, to take a look at the modern conspiracy theory. Which... Uh, I don't know if it's grosser, <laughs> to be honest. Like Alex Jones can, can get a little greasy at times. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> It, look. The literal grandpappy of conspiracy <laughs> theories feels like. Oh, no, it I'm just be... talking about a, on a grime basis. On a, on a literal, oh, I see. A, a literal a grossness like personal level hygiene amount level? of okay. personal hygiene and spit. I don't know. And like fluids. the 19th century Russians can't have been particularly <laughs> clean. I would yeah, those say. fur hats probably didn't get yeah. cleaned all that often. <laughs> Real greasy beavers. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, why, why did I think there was. No, I'm thinking of like. Not the beaver. Beaver is like an American thing, wasn't it? Aren't beavers yeah, an American a, animal? Look, it was just, it was just ah, a, it was yeah. a it was a whatever it is doesn't matter. But I think that's a Eurasian beaver. I will I will stand there by. Be. There might be. I don't I'm know. Wrong. I thought those were made out of like chinchillas or something. I don't know what the fuck they made those Maybe. hats out of. I thought they were furrier, and beavers aren't all that furry. Uh, but uh, you know, conspiracy theories come a long way from screaming that the Jews did it to screaming that the globalists did it. Yeah, uh, they did it. <laughs> but today we're going to visit a wonderful land of water filters, fake boner pills, survival taint wipes, and dehydrated food buckets. The world of Alex Jones, if you will. The world of the commercialization of conspiracy theories. So, Benedict, if you will, come with me and you'll be in a world of prostagard and brain force. Take a look and you'll see into the globalist domination. You really worked hard on that, haven't you? We'll begin. <laughs> I know. I went a little... Well, all of that was in service of this next joke. <laughs> okay, cool. That, that wasn't even the punchline. No, but much like Willy Wonka, Alex Jones managed to take a long-standing American tradition, exploitation of minorities in food production in Willy Wonka's case, and conspiracy in Alex's, and monetize the fuck out of it. So you see how if you hadn't interrupted me, that joke would have flowed a lot better, and it would have been funnier? Yeah. No, I am Conan O'Brien interrupting Norm Macdonald's moth story. That is me. That is how I I do this podcast. Yes, that is exactly how you do it. So in our first episode, we focus mainly on one conspiracy theory, what I would term a meta-conspiracy, right? An overarching explanation for everything that happens in this world. And in moving on to today, what I'm calling the Alex Jones period of conspiracy, 
we're skipping a lot of ground that I certainly find interesting, but I think could be summed up in a minute or two. So see, okay, for a long time, the dominant meta-conspiracy in the world was the anti-Semitic meta-conspiracy, epitomized by mm-hmm. the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Of course, it went on a lot earlier than that, but the Protocols, I think, is what, for modern people, we most associate with it. And then yep. this little thing happened in 1939, and all of a sudden, a whole lot of people shut the fuck up about who the thought they thought ran the world, right? But thankfully... By that time, the conspiracy had developed and matured a little bit, to the point that, like all good conspiracies, the ultimate boogeyman had been vagued up a bit. Of course, the evil specter of communism had ridden its head in the 1910s, right? Uh, And that meant all sorts of new fun things to accuse Jews of being. So everyone's familiar, I think, with the phrase Bolshevik Jews, which you can Mm -hmm. hear anti-Semites throwing around a lot. Uh, And already, that took you halfway to just switching over and saying communists while still meaning Jews, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people who say communists And then cultural mean. Marxists. Yay. Exactly. It's another step along the way, isn't it? So in steps, the second meta-conspiracy we're, we're concerning ourselves with, the massive communist conspiracy, as I've termed it, and as we've talked about before, right, of the mid-20th century, most closely associated with the paranoiacs of the John Birch Society. Uh, and of course, uh, you can go listen to our patron-only book review of None Dare Call It Conspiracy, which covers that meta-conspiracy theory in pretty good detail, I think. Um... And I think more importantly, what it shows, sort of that review and, and what we've talked about, because we did a bunch of episodes on the John Birch Society, right, is how... Yeah, that's too many, you might say. <laughs> is how the massive communist conspiracy was purposefully expanded to not being solely communist anymore, mm-hmm. but insider dominated mm-hmm. instead in order to include like the obvious capitalists like the bankers who they were complaining about the, oh yeah the non- it's amazing <laughs> it really it's, it, 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 really go listen to go listen to the patron like literally become a patron listen to those and unsubscribe <laughs> i don't really care like it, it, it's amazing how much they're like we have this critique of capitalism but it's the communists <laughs> <laughs> like that book blew me away that thing is still amazing i'm I'm still upset over how how well what a wild ride that fucking book is it's really out there but the the mechanism of how that works right um it operates in similar ways to how anti-semites as i said plenty of times will name non-jews as their boogeymen and will claim that they are controlled or you know that they are uh uh, working along with the jews or Mm -hmm. my favorite to say that they are culturally Jewish, if not ethnically Jewish, right? Sure. But this second meta-conspiracy, the massive communist conspiracy, is the dominant strain probably from World War II-ish on through today, and it is Alex Jones's meta-conspiracy of choice, although he's mm-hmm. changed it himself and developed it throughout the years. Um, we're talking our... Do we, do we have to delineate between, like, this type of Alex Jones conspiracy and then, like, they're turning the frogs gay? Or do you think <sighs> it's all linked? So it is all linked because the whole thing about turning the the frogs gay is is that they're putting chemicals in the water because they, it's a, I don't remember what, what he was specifically arguing about in that moment, but it was about how those chemicals are going to either castrate or uh, make people infertile or whatever, or make people gay, whatever he was yelling about. That's the idea. And that they are doing it to you to make you, you know, to reduce your numbers or whatever the case might be. And it still is, for him, it's the globalists who are doing that, right? Because everything is done by the globalists on purpose. That's always what mm-hmm. it is. But And to be sure, Alex Jones has said on his show that None Dare Call It Conspiracy was the book 
that changed his life. The book that we read. So gotcha. that's part of the reason why we chose that book to begin with. So I just want to point that out there. But mm-hmm. um, in our final episode on conspiracies, which won't be right after this one, it'll be a ways off in the future after we do some other stuff in between before we get there. Uh, but we'll talk about how the meta conspiracy is still changing and moving away from Alex Jones into a new formation focused around QAnon and the satanic pedophile cabal that's responsible for all the wrongs. Um, and how the, is that also they like? That's the new they. It's the new. Th- oh, are they. you not aware that that's who the QAnon? people believe oh no no i i knew i know that yeah. it's just i yeah yeah it's, it's weird to hear it said out loud it. isn't it yep <laughs> yep follow the white rabbit folks, I guess. <laughs> so fucking weird man but uh you know it's 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 just the same thing where they're just shifting it so you could still say that they're jews if you want to because you know jews can be part of a satanic pedophile cabal jews can run a satanic pedophile cabal this is 2022 mm-hmm. you can do anything you anyone want. anyone can do anything yeah exactly <laughs> but the massive communist conspiracy as we've covered posits that either everything is communism or communism slash socialism slash progressivism are tools of a plot by shadowy elites to subjugate the public and take over all that sweet, delicious power, which the right is obsessed with. And, um, you know, from the Klansmen groups of the 50s and 60s to the militia groups of the 80s and 90s to the Tea Party and anti-Obama conspiracists, everything is about communism, right? Civil rights, Mm -hmm. communism. Gun laws, communism. Minor increases in taxation to support programs and projects that benefit the public, communism. Ob- this podcast, communism. Obama's birth certificate, birth certificate, communism. Mm-hmm. And lest you think I'm joking, there's literally a strain of that conspiracy that pushed the belief that Obama's birth certificate is actually being hidden because his real father is a man named Frank Marshall Davis, who was an African-American journalist, jazz historian, labor and civil rights activist who was friends with Obama's grandfather, actually was in real life. And they call him a communist. He might have had some socialist leanings and claim that he it's all about covering so up. Cool. Hey, hey, it's about covering up the fact it's covering up that that's actually Obama's father, and a regular InfoWars guest, Joel Gilbert, made a movie called Dreams from My Real Father that presents that conspiracy theory and is fucking insane. Because I Joel love- Gilbert, a white man, plays Obama in that movie. Oh, no. That's bad. <laughs> I would love that to be true, though. That guy sounds really cool. <laughs> he is kind of fucking cool when you look into him. I was reading about him over the weekend. He is a cool guy. So a diverse cohort of conspiracists all over the U.S. were able to spread their own variations and versions of what they thought the communists were doing for a good long while, right? The major thread was all the same, but of course you can insert your own personal boogeyman. There's regional variations of sorts. Regional variations? Like a fucking dialect. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it very much is like that, though. It really is, when you think of it. Because especially in this time, and, and... I think it's obvious, right, when we get to the area, the information age, where now we have nationwide communications, especially when you get to the internet, become much more standardized from coast to coast. As far as... I'm now concerned that you've said that, because, like, there's a famous saying that, like, a, a, a language is just a dialect with an army. <laughs> I am now really concerned that what happens, what's a conspiracy theory with okay. an army? The Trump administration, I guess, but, yeah, like... You saw January 6th. You, you saw I, January yeah. 6th. Well, that's without the army. No, though, that was an saying. army. That was just the army well, they were able again, to muster. Yeah, a pretty <laughs> shitty army. <laughs> like, the worst army that it's has ever... It's not a very good army. Like, 
<laughs> the Brits turned up drunk in 1812 and managed to burn also, down the White House. Also, I want to so point out how European-centric the uh, uh, language is just a dialect with an army phrase is, obviously, because it was by someone who's familiar with Romance languages only. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah we know that. Goes. Yeah, yeah. That's but a change came about. When we finally hit the precipice of the information age in the U.S., right, the widespread availability of phones first in the 60s and 70s, and then FM radio, television, other forms of communication, ultimately converging on the downfall of all of us, the computer and the internet. And when that happened, several things converged to create a new age for conspiracy. First was that when the internet came around, one of the first groups to really start making a lot of use of the internet, two groups that are have a lot of overlap, let me guess, neo-Nazis and racists. Well, that's one, That's a circle. That's that's not. There, there's okay. that's not a Venn diagram, Benek. Well, you said you said one group, and then you well, said well, I was well, going to say groups. conspiracy so theorists and white supremacists. Those are the sure. two. So I was right. They're on not one necessarily of them. a circle. There's but there's a lot of overlap. There's just a little bit of that outside edge that's not connected on those two there, right? Uh, so that's the overlap I'm talking about there. Those two groups started using the internet very heavily. And message boards, which were the form that most of the early internet was actually used in for people who weren't professionals in some manner, a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff happened on those message boards. And then, you know, there was a wider variety of uh, entertainment and communication options, which meant that there were more avenues available for people to put out this information. So there were more radio stations, for example, which meant there was more hours that needed to be filled with programming, more availability for people who wanted to get their message out. But to ease you in on this, I want to talk for a minute about the Alex Jones before Alex Jones. In many ways, the man who laid the groundwork for Alex to make millions off of white media. Oh, yeah. Okay. A man by the name of Bill Cooper. And okay. I'm going to start us with a clip of Bill Cooper from his show. Uh, his show was called okay. The Hour of the Time. And this clip we're going to be listening to is... And the time of the hour. It's fucking... <laughs> well, awful. wait until we hear more about this guy. This is from June 28th, 2001. Uh, and this is what Cooper... Is that pre-Alex Jones, really? I, I mean, Alex like... was on the radio at the time, but he wasn't as big as he is now. Partly because Cooper was still there. And Cooper was okay. wildly popular. Was the original he, he, Yeah, he was definitely the original. He came around before Alex, and he left long before Alex. We'll be hearing that, about that in a minute, too. But this is uh, from that. And this is what he's remembered for a lot, because this is where he supposedly predicted 9-11. Which, by the way, is also okay. something that Alex Jones claims to have done himself. Although his version is much more pathetic. But uh, before I start, um, before where I start this video, he's been complaining about how CNN got an interview with Osama bin Laden in June 2008, but somehow the U.S. military can't find him to kill him. And of course, he thinks that's all a conspiracy, right? Because Wait, sorry, you said this was from 2001? Yeah, I'm sorry, June 2001, not 2008, yeah, 2001. Yeah. So CNN okay. got an interview with him in June 2001, See, my misspeaking there would be the source of a conspiracy if I had any sort oh, of clout, sure. right? And anybody thought that there was a uh, some hidden meaning behind my misspeaking. But that's what he's been complaining about before we hear him talk here. But here he goes. Either everyone in the intelligence community and all of the intelligence agencies of the United States government are blithering idiots and incompetent fools, including the entire apparatus of the FBI and all of their personnel. Possible. I will say off the bat, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in the, especially in the early yeah, 2000s. Yeah. Are they lying to us? 
They're not looking for him at all. Do you see how skillful creating that false dichotomy is? Isn't that a thing of beauty? Can you not see how people yeah. will buy into this? Yeah, yeah. It's either this or that. There's both a rhetorical yeah. thing going on and there's a performance art thing going on where that tonal shift going mm-hmm. from his outrage to, or they're lying to us. Or it's oh, like, come close. It's really beautiful. It's actually pretty. It, I mean, it is quite oratorically. It's talent. And yeah. the second is the truth. You see, the CIA created Osama bin Laden. They recruited him. They trained him. They found his leadership. They brought them all together. They showed him them how to fight the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. And when that was over, they still continued to fund him and train him. And they're now using him to help bring about world government by making him the big boogeyman because they can't use Saddam Hussein anymore. When did you start hearing of Osama bin Laden? It was after Saddam Hussein and Iraq were supposedly neutralized in the Gulf War. So, (laughs) one prediction there didn't work out so well. (laughs) Yeah, not so well. But I like that clip because it demonstrates, for one thing, how... It's like how grainy radio oh, it was, was in the fucking early Yeah, 2000s. and this is, there, I've Christ. heard worse and I've heard better versions of his recordings because like a lot of it was just, you know, recorded on actual like cassette tape and people have later gotten it and uploaded it or whatever. But, so we see there part of how conspiracy is crafted in this era, mm-hmm. in the era of mass communications, where you take a piece of information that is true. The U.S. CIA did fund Osama bin Laden when he was fighting against the Soviet Union. That was definitely true. And then you just extrapolate further, and they're still doing it. Right? Yeah. And then you just assume, you're, of course, they did it once. Why would they not do it again? It's not even that. It's like, what if they asked? You know, it's right. like, it, yeah. So I'm going to jump forward a little bit uh, because they just keep going on and complaining about that for a little while. So we're just going to jump forward sure. to where the actual prediction happens. And tell mm-hmm. me if you can even spot where the prediction is. Probably not. And whatever is going to happen that they're going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you even believe it. Another social illusion, social engineering project to change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. Hell yeah. When in hell are all you people going to wake up? Never. Is that it? Was that the prediction? I just wanted to keep the are you kidding me in there. That was it. He said something is going to happen and they're going to say Osama bin Laden did it. That is what passes in the conspiracy theory community for a prediction of 9-11. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. He predicted that the guy who said he was going to attack America would be blamed for an attack on America. That's the prediction. And the Alex Jones version, I'm not going to play it, but the version of his prediction of 9-11 is even worse. It's like, he doesn't even name drop Osama bin Laden. He just said, something big is going to happen in an American city. And that's it. Basically, same thing. They're going to use it to bring about a one world When did he say that? Did he say it before the Oklahoma City bombing? The Oklahoma City bombing, I don't think, uh, I don't think there was anybody with a claim that they predicted it. I don't think there is. Although, OKC is a classic 
conspiracy fodder for, you know, that was actually a false flag. It was the government who did it. Timothy McVeigh was innocent, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff always, always is out there in this militia conspiracy world, which is, is where Cooper really made his bread and butter, right? So Milton William Cooper was born in 1943 in Long Beach, California, to a military family. Uh, Bill claims to have served in the Air Force, the U.S. Navy, and U.S. Navy intelligence. However, his service records only show that he served in the Navy, which could also include naval intelligence. That's just a branch of the Navy, but... Like Jack Posobiec. <laughs> yeah, although, unlike Jack... Well, like Jack Posobiec, he never worked for CBS News. Uh... <laughs> Jack Posobiec for a long time falsely claimed on his bio on Twitter that he worked for CBS News, and he clearly didn't. Um, Will William Cooper uh, served in Vietnam, and after the war, he okay. did work. He did work uh, as part of the briefing team for Admiral Bernard A. Clary, who was not a particularly important admiral, and Cooper did not have a particularly important role. Okay, but uh, like still an admiral, sure. like not yeah. a particularly important admiral. Like that's still like one of the top. Well, wait people until in the you, Navy, st- Benedict. Like... You're doing the thing you do where you give people the oh, benefit of the doubt sake. too much, <laughs> even though you just heard him I... rambling insane things about one world government. No, I know. I look. I I, I have two settings on this podcast. It's either give people Complete too much credulity. of the benefit of the doubt, yeah, or it's say something ridiculous, think it's a hilarious <laughs> joke, correct. and then that's the next that thing. That is yeah, my favorite exactly. setting, though. I, I very yeah. much like that setting. <laughs> Those are my two settings. Uh, but this closeness to supposed secrecy, right, is what first brought Cooper, uh, you know, his first foray into the conspiracy verse. When after retiring from the Navy, he uh, briefly went to conspiracy uh, community. <laughs> I almost said conspiracy college. Conspiracy school. <laughs> Community college, not conspiracy college, uh, in California. Uh, he started posting on Paranet, which was an internet bulletin board in the early days of the internet in the 1980s. Uh, it was one of the earliest UFO boards on the internet. Oh, and fun. there he okay. claimed that he had seen, personally, a large metal craft larger than a football field repeatedly enter and exit the water flying. And that he was told by his superiors never to talk about it. So they use that sure. vague use of they, the superiors, threatened him. It's always important to cre- bolster the credibility yeah. of a conspiracy, right? And then a few days later, he was contacted by another Paranet user named John Olson Lear. The crazy son of billionaire Bill Lear, the founder of Learjet. And that led mm. to the two meeting in person and Bill starting out on the UFO circuit throughout the late 1980s and early 1990s, along with Lear. And by circuit, I mean, like, literally, they would, like, drive around the country and go to conventions and give talks and whatnot. Like, that's, that's what they fun. did. Good for that. Yeah. Uh, at some point in the late 1980s, Bill was in two motorcycle accidents, uh, the second of one uh, which caused him to have his leg amputated, and both of which he blamed on shadowy government officials who were out to kill him to silence him for speaking the truth. Uh, he claimed that one of them visited him in the hospital and threatened him afterwards. And I do want to say at the outset, uh, a book I highly recommend on Bill Cooper if you're interested in him more um, is uh, Pale Horse Rider. It's under one of my pillows, so I can't see who the author is, and I don't have it memorized, but I will link it in the show notes so you can see that if you want. But really great book, goes into a lot of detail uh, about Bill Cooper. But he also claimed that top-secret documents he had seen while he was working in naval intelligence, despite the fact that he was basically a low-level clerk who would not have had top-secret clearance, proved Mm -hmm. UFOs were real. Ah. But despite all that 
obvious falsity, uh, Bill became a major figure in the conspiracy world, beginning in the UFO and paranormal circles, uh, before quickly moving into the militia and anti-government areas. And at some point, he basically disavowed all of his UFO stuff he had built his career on, claiming that the mm-hmm. documents he had seen were fakes in order to trick him, and yada, 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 yada. <laughs> Those, they tricked yeah. me and made me look stupid. He just didn't want to talk about UFOs more. He got more interested in the militia stuff. And I mean, he was really in the militia community, right? In 1992, he began his radio show, The Hour of the Time, which he recorded from his home in Eager, Arizona. Uh, it was broadcast on some traditional radio stations, but the primary broadcast was on shortwave radio which is, was and still is a bit of a Wild West uh, as far as radio goes, mostly having hobbyists, apocalypse preppers, things like that. Those are the only sort of people who even own shortwave radios. But shortwave can be broadcast thousands of miles from a single transmitter, meaning that the reach can be massive for relatively little cost and effort. And Cooper and Alex Jones both, early in their careers, encouraged their listeners to set up their own repeaters or even pirate radio stations to broadcast their shows further. Uh, So, throughout the run of his show, Bill promoted primarily anti-government conspiracy theories from an Illuminati perspective. That's who he blamed everything on. Uh, JBS, the John Birch Society, we know, also believes in the Illuminati. Uh, But that's who Mm -hmm. Bill believed was behind everything. And while he held some conspiracies that may at first blush appear non-white supremacist oriented, like that AIDS was a bioweapon meant to kill non-whites and gays, Of course, there is plenty of white supremacy to go around with Bill. Obviously, he was deep into the militia community, which has its own connections with white supremacy. We're going to be talking about in our militia episode. Um, And other than his radio show, what he's remembered for most is a book he wrote in 1991 titled Behold a Pale Horse, which I own. Yeah, I know this. Yeah, you know it because I have it in my hand and I'm holding up to the camera right now. Oh, I can't see it. Oh, but well, that's there fine. it is. I'm looking at my wave. Yeah, form. yeah, yeah. But uh, so he, he wrote that book. Uh, and to summarize it quickly, it's the ramblings of a depraved mind that sees connections between every cool. shadow interspersed with hoax documents, plural, and insanely out of context sources. Many are that are literally photocopied in a number of cases. And in the original version, Bill included a full reprint of Callback Benedict. The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Awesome. Yep. Cool. Yep. <laughs> love that. Although, yep, to be fair, to be entirely fair, he instructed his readers... Sorry, did you just say, to be fair? I am. And give me or a are moment. You, are you using it as a hilarious uh-huh. setup to a punchline? He line. instructed okay. his Sorry. readers to replace the words Goyim with cattle, Zion with Sion with an S, and Jews for Illuminati. So he believed okay. that the protocols were true. It was just actually about the Illuminati, not about the Jews. Sure. <laughs> My version does not have the protocols in it because later publishers removed it. They refused to publish it with the protocols. In they it. were like, "This is too yeah. much. This is we found like it that's really the is. line." And the f- first chapter, the first chapter of this book, a "Behold a Pale Horse," is uh, a, a hoax document called "Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars." That's the entire first chapter. He just reprints that in full, which uh, Cooper explains, and which this is people who believe in this document. This is what they actually say about it. Claim that it was found in an IBM copier purchased in 1979 at a government surplus sale by just a dude who just purchased this copier from the government. And this secret silent weapon war manual was inside this copier. It's great. Great. Uh, But basically... It's a, uh, Bill describes it as a declaration of war by the Illuminati. Uh, 
And it rambles on about energy weapons and mind control, manipulation of the public. Oh, and of course, it name drops the Rothschilds by name. We're very familiar oh, with yeah, people sure. doing that. I mean, that's how name dropping works. Yeah. It name drops them not by name. Uh, it's very yeah, confusing. Everyone, no one really by, knew what by pseudonym, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's still a name. It means almost name yeah, or other name. Yeah. That's what it means. But Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars is also the name of the debut album of the hip-hop group Kill Army which was released by Wu-Tang Records. And Benedict, that is not a coincidence. Because a number of rappers, particularly those in the Wu-Tang's inner circle, got heavily interested in Behold a Pale Horse and Bill Cooper. Uh, Public Enemy, Tupac, Jay-Z, The RZA, ODB, Prodigy, and a number of other rappers have name-checked Cooper or referenced his ideas in songs and have openly said that they are a fan of the book. Look, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I'd play some of the music, but DMCA would get us struck, and I don't want to deal with that. But you can go find. I think there's a there might be a YouTube mix somebody did of it. Um, I'll see if I can find that, and I might link it in the show notes if I can. Uh, but as I said, Cooper was heavily involved in militia conspiracism, which may come up when we do our militia episode later. Uh, but he actually considered himself a militia leader. And, fun fact, Timothy McVeigh was a fan of his. Yeah, and according to yeah, the that, Daily that, Beast, that, that, yep, yep. Timothy once ordered a cassette from Cooper titled Waco the Big Lie. Cool. And this... So we had we had the big lie real early Yeah, on. we did, didn't we? And this, this sort of selling of conspiracy cassettes and VHS and pamphlets and books, this was how conspiracy was first really commercialized. So earlier on, you would have people selling these in like the back of magazines, right? Uh, sort of far-right militia magazine. That's really funny. Remember how magazines used to be a thing? It was really a thing. Yeah. So like uh, Soldier Fortune and stuff like that would have all this conspiracy stuff in the back of it. Uh, but once you got to radio and internet, this stuff started selling there and obviously sold a lot more of it. Um, and, you know, Cooper's own book is a part of that. Um, he also, and this is a little unclear, he sort of claims to have met Timothy McVeigh in person when McVeigh came to one of his speeches, but he backtracked on that later in life. So I don't know whether he was trying to get clout off of claiming that he had met Timothy McVeigh and then realized that was a bad look. I don't know how that went or not, but... Yeah. It is a bad look. Yeah. It's good that he realized that, at least. Well, you know, those co- there's a handful of these confrontations between the federal government and far-right crypto-fascist militia types in the 80s and 90s that were fodder for people like Cooper and Alex Jones early in their careers. Waco and Ruby Ridge are the ones that I think the most people are familiar with, right? Um, so that was a, a hinge point for this militia-related conspiracy world. And Cooper also, this is a fun fact, had his own intelligence agency. Bennett, can you see the air quotes? Can you feel the air quotes? I, I Again, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at my waveform to check it doesn't break because it is my nightmare for this to break and have to record it again. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, but I can hear them in your mm-hmm. voice. He called it CAGI, C-A-J-I, or the Citizens Agency for Joint Intelligence. And it was literally, Benedict, it was people who would send him faxes and emails or call into his radio show and tell him things. And I think that is one of his most notable contributions to conspiracy culture. Bill didn't pioneer it, but he developed the collective storytelling model that became and still is central to the uh, modern Alex Jones conspiracy era where a centralized figure fields suggestions for the story and acts like an editor-in-chief, accepting or rejecting additions to the story as they see fit. Because that's literally what would happen on the show. Bill would be talking about, say, Waco, 
or in the the wake of uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. He'd be talking about that, and people would call in and, you know, make shit up. People are just, you know, I'm in Oklahoma City, and I saw 5,000 troops driving into the city. And Bill would recognize that was too easily falsifiable, and he would reject it by saying something like, well, we're going to need further verification on that. We'll wait for our agents to report back, blah, blah, blah. Shit like that. So that's how this collective storytelling model works, and that is what Alex Jones does to this day. That's why he has callers to his radio show, because he's not very creative as an individual. Uh, he's got a solid set of things that are stuck in his mind that he goes to. It, a lot of the interesting stuff comes from batshit crazy people or just total liars who call into their radio shows and want to contribute in some way. It's really, really fucking interesting. Yeah. But Cooper, as I have been speaking of him only in the past tense, it should be known, is no longer with us. Uh, yep. Cooper, like many in his world of the militia, was also a tax protester with some sovereign citizen leanings. And isn't it nice mm-hmm. how I tie all these episodes together in so many ways? You know, I, I'm proud of yeah. you. Really, yeah. truly. And as such, he was convicted of tax evasion in 1998. An arrest warrant was issued, but he was never arrested on it. Through a combination of evasion and the government not wanting to push the issue with a violent lunatic with a house full of guns. Who, by the way, talked incessantly on his radio show about his willingness to shoot police or federal officials and not letting them take him alive. That was a thing. But... Cool. On November 5th, 2001, Cooper pointed a gun at one of his neighbors during an argument, which led the local sheriff's department, who had basically left him alone because they didn't want to deal with that shit for a long time, to finally decide they had to go out and arrest Cooper. And I believe they were using that tax evasion warrant in order to do it because it was just an outstanding warrant and they didn't have to bother with getting another one. Now, accounts vary on what happened, with Cooper supporters who were not there and have no evidence saying he was murdered in cold blood, but with the witnesses who were there and the cop who Cooper shot in the head saying otherwise. But the cops approached Cooper as he was outside his home in an attempt to make sure that he was unarmed. But Cooper ran into his house and grabbed a rifle from behind the door and engaged in a shootout where the aforementioned cop was shot in the head. Why do all these fucks like... And Cooper himself, of course, was killed. All of which leads us to the person who has benefited the most from Cooper's legacy without any of the actual personal conviction, Alex Jones. Mm. So Alexander Emmerich Jones was born February 11th, 1974 to David and Carol Jones in Dallas, Texas. And to begin with, there is no possible way I could in a single episode cover Alex Jones and all of his nuances and all of his conspiracies and all of his impacts. So I have to recommend and give credit to the Knowledge Fight podcast, who are linked to in the show notes. They have spent coming up on 700 episodes now, most of them over an hour and a half long, just covering Alex Jones. Those guys are the experts on Alex Jones, and they are where I get most of my information on the man from. Because... Uh, I don't, as someone who has a full-time job, have the time or the energy to spend my life uh, covering Alex Jones, which is why I find sources like that, or like uh, I've mentioned the Tuckered Out podcast, who are able to digest those things and present them in a way that I find informative. I'd like to think we do that here on this podcast for our own uh, subjects that we're dealing with, but hey, who knows? I mean, you you do. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) But according to Alex... When he was a child, he found the book None Dare Call It Conspiracy, the John Birch Society creative fiction novel, which we, of course, have talked about, on his father's bookshelf. And he was never the same again. And 
just the fact that his parents owned none dare call it conspiracy, if that's true, right? You can't, you have to take everything Alex Jones says with a grain of, it's probably a fucking lie. But this one I think is probably true because it makes sense how his life went after that. Uh, but his parents probably had some JBS leanings just by mm-hmm. dint of owning that fucking book, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you would kind of fucking think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Who doesn't except for us and actually yeah. owns that book? <laughs> One day my kid is going to find it on my shelf. I'm oh, going to create God. the next Alex Look Jones. what I've done. Look, Look what, what I've you've done. done to us. <laughs> but Alex claims that while he was a child, he was threatened by police who were dealing drugs in the suburb of Rockwall, Texas, where he uh, grew up with his family, which is what caused his family to move from Rockwall to Austin. Although... Some good reporting indicates that if it was anything other than just normal family deciding to move because your parents said you're going to move, it may be more related to Alex Jones's multiple very violent altercations with high school classmates and other people who lived in his community, including at least one which was chronicled by um, This American Life that apparently ended with a person in the hospital with a fractured skull and a large payout from Alex's dad, who was a rather wealthy dentist, in order to settle the affair. Uh, And as I said, Alex's dad was a dentist. According to Alex Jones, his father was a CIA dentist. By which I mean, whenever Alex needs an explanation for why he knows something that he just completely made up, he'll claim it's from top-level government officials and CIA FBI people who were around when his dad was doing their teeth for some reason you know how you famously talk to your dentist when they're fucking all up (laughs) in him like pick up a different fucking profession that's the fucking thing okay i I, look a i don't know who the cia go to's for goes to for dentistry but b sure it's someone in the cia I, i would imagine it would be somebody let's just say i don't know near langley virginia where the cia is located Mm-hmm. Maybe? Or is that the FBI in Langley? I forget. I think they're all there. I th- well, they're in Virginia. I just don't remember which one they're in because the FBI and CIA are, are both uh, have their large headquarters in Virginia. Doesn't make sense why they'd be in Dallas, Texas, for one thing. No. Uh, but also... Well, Kevin, you know why? Because they were still there after they killed JFK. Well, the thing is, right, Alex is just spinning yarns. That was a great fucking joke. It was a good that joke. Was, it was that, a good joke. Yeah. They're still yeah, there today. The, the dude with yeah. the, the bird who all the QAnon people talks to, actually CIA, yeah. Uh, but, uh, so Alex, he he makes up a lot about his dad as supposed backstory because his dad's never going to say his kid is lying to anyone, right? His dad's not going to do that. Uh, so of course Alex has also said, uh, that the reason why he knows all these things is because all the globalists or the CIA or, you know, story changes all the time were trying to recruit his dad when he was younger because he was the smartest man in Texas as recorded by tests that he took. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that's why. Yeah, you, you know how that works. <laughs> Took the smartest man test in Texas, and, and they determined that he was the smartest man in Texas. Uh, but Alex got his first media gig on public access TV in Austin uh, before getting his first paid radio gig in 1996 on 98.9 FM Austin, calling his show at that time The Final Edition. Uh, fun story. Jones got that show because his dad offered to buy ads for his dentistry business on the station if they agreed to carry his son's show. So, <laughs> so it's his dad's fault. It, it really is. Li- and, and literally, Alex Jones's dad wanted to be a proud papa. I mean, and that that like that's why he, fucking dentistry bringing down society. I mean, his dad like is that- very intertwined <sighs> in the business, like. Uh, they do this uh, bullshit toothpaste they sell on the website, like uh, fluoride-free toothpaste, because, you know, fluoride 
uh, is a whole conspiracy for them. Um, so like that's like uh, uh, I believe it's uh, Doctor Jones brand, and it's supposed to be his dad, you know, making the toothpaste because he he's a dentist. Um, and also, I believe that his dad, David, was uh, I'm actually I, I know this to be true was the HR director of Infowars for a period of years. So very intertwined, very very intertwined. Great. But uh, in those early years, Alex had Bill Cooper on his show at least once that I can find. Although in later years, the relationship soured uh, as Bill fucking torched Alex, calling him a fake, a CIA plant, a mindless idiot, <laughs> making money off of Bill's work, blah, blah, blah. But it's very apparent that Alex... This is like Dinesh D'Souza beefing with Tucker Oh, it so is. It so is. Except it's the other way around because Alex looked up to Bill. And so you you have to know Alex was so disappointed when his fucking hero, Bill Cooper, yeah. just hated him. And it really comes down to, like, Bill, uh, for all of Bill's many faults, he was a fucking white supremacist monster. Um, he went out with his principles intact. He, in fact, did not let them in take him alive. Fight. Right? Yes. Um, in my head, I, I can't explain why this is, but in my head... I don't know what Bill Cooper looks like. I know what he sounds like, and he doesn't even sound much like what I'm about to say, mm -hmm. but in my head, he is Sam Kinison. You know what? He's not far off from a bald Sam <laughs> Kinison. He's he's not all that far off from a bald Sam Kinison. Look up a picture of the guy, <laughs> okay, and I'm you'll see what now. I'm talking about. But bald <laughs> Sam Kinison, without the hat, right? Because Sam Kinison always has the hat. Think of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You're not that far off, really. You're really not. Okay. Uh, but so uh, Alex's career began in the same militia-oriented conspiracy space as Bill, uh, with Alex talking a great deal about Waco and Ruby Ridge, maligning the government and police, spouting sovereign citizen talking points, and all the usual stuff you can find in that arena. Oh, he has a bit of a Bill Kinnison. Uh, uh, yeah, Kinnison you see what I'm talking right? about? Yeah. 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 yeah in yeah, 1998, yeah. Alex organized a rebuilding of the Branch Davidian cult compound in Waco, uh, which is not a great look, given that that was a child molesting no. cult not a great thing uh but coincidentally that is where he met john ronson who had come with randy weaver the white supremacist whose standoff oh, at ruby ridge yeah. is another big event for the right-wing militia conspiracy movement and it was because alex met john ronson there that day that he ended up breaking into see walking through the forest to the bohemian grove in 2000 which is another of alex's big claims to fame the whole cremation of care ceremony, which is like, uh, there's it, we don't have time to talk about it, but it's a whole thing where they sacrifice, uh, make a sacrifice to Moloch. It's all symbolism. Nobody, like, none of the people there actually believe in, like, Moloch or anything. But Alex very much uh, disagreed with John Ronson in interpretation of the moment that they both saw. So, yeah. You know, that is not shocking yeah, to me. Yep. If you're telling me that Alex Jones saw the Earth Alex in a was arguing that they had literally sacrificed Ronson. a baby because they right. burnt like a bundle wrapped in a cloth. Whereas John Ronson said this is a bundle yeah. wrapped in and a like, cloth. Yeah, and John Ronson's like they're obviously like this it's called the cremation of care ceremony. Like they're saying let's get rid of our cares and just enjoy life for the time. Blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. But uh, his ideology in those early years could be fairly characterized as anti-government, right? In a way that goes far beyond his contemporary Republican uh, cohorts and you know, just thinking that government institutions shouldn't exist, right? But um, he believed that the U.S. government was part of a plan to abolish individual freedom and institute a one-world government, which we are very familiar with hearing, of course. 
And during this time, he repeatedly had Ron Paul and members of the Paul family on his program. Ron Paul's brothers came on his show a lot more than Ron Paul himself, although Ron Paul has been on the Alex Jones show a number of times. But Ron Paul's brothers are the ones who aren't afraid to go out and do the weird stuff in order to appeal to the actual Ron Paul base, right? So they'll go sit and talk to Alex Jones for a while. But he could accurately be described as the largest media support organization for the many Paul family campaigns from the 90s straight through the moment when Rand was clearly clearly going to lose in the 2016 primary, which, by the way, should have been long before the primaries began, but that's a different deal. Um, And therefore, you know, when 9-11 rolled around and Cooper's death came just months after it in November of 2001, Alex Jones was left as the big game in town. And he would remain the center of conspiracy media for the Mm -hmm. next 20 years, only arguably even now being challenged by QAnon, who have taken many of his concepts and broken away in what is now a more decentralized conspiracy verse, which we'll be talking about eventually. But it was 1999 when Alex founded his website, InfoWars, which is what he is, of course, most well known for. It's sort of a, a... InfoWars is the name of the website, the radio show is actually technically the Alex Jones show, uh, but everyone, okay. I just I just interchangeably say Infowars because they're essentially the same thing. Ninety because everybody knows what you mean. No, and a great deal of content on the website is just posting of video clips from Alex's show. So it's like it does, there's no discernible difference. They're saying the same shit, and Alex has complete editorial control anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But at that time, it was originally mainly planned to sell VHS tapes of Alex's documentaries, again, here are the air quotes, which he heavily advertised on his show, encouraging people to, where does this sound like before, Benedict? Buy a dozen of them and give them to everyone they know. Hmm. Where have we heard something like that before? And in the pre-2016, Alex's ideas were, I would say, much more coherent than they are now. There was a lot less screaming about interdimensional aliens that are really demons sorry, than there is sorry, now. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. coherent in what sense? In that they in the followed a that thread? You can, <laughs> that you can discern the thread he's trying to get at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's okay. A, in more recent years, there's a lot more of Chris, Christian fascism screaming about demons and aliens and interdimensional entities. Do you think, do you think genuinely, do you think that's audience-driven? I don't know 100% to be sure. to where his audience is, or do you think he genuinely believes I, I don't know where it's come from. Uh, uh, Dan and Jordan over on Knowledge Fight, they did uh, a number of, you know, looking at his past episodes and always keeping an eye out for when Alex talks about he is fighting the literal Christian devil. Because at some point, Alex starts believing and saying saying that he is fighting the literal Christian devil. starts believing. We don't know if he believes it. I don't know about believing, Um, but he starts saying it at the very least. And I don't remember when about that happened, but, you know, it changed along the way somewhere. I'm actually fascinated by, uh, especially with big broadcast hosts and with the rise of social media, I'm quite fascinated with the concept of audience capture. Mm -hmm. Um, And and to, to explain that, that is literally... Your and it happens on YouTube a lot where you start somewhere, your audience goes somewhere else, and then the, your audience criticizes you for not going with yeah. them. So you have to move with your audience. And I think it, it, there, there, there are Rubin a lot effect. more feedback yeah. loops. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So there, there are a lot more feedback loops now where people get that info kind of in real time that their audience doesn't agree with mm-hmm. them. And most of us do this because we want to find an audience within yeah. uh, that, and not necessarily you and I, but like most. Pop- 
podcasters, YouTubers, radio hosts do it because we want to talk to an audience that majoritarily agrees with what we say or wants to have an, a, a debate or be challenged by what we're saying. And if all of a sudden your audience moves away from you, then you really have to either be like, I'm a brave truth teller and I'm happy to lose some audience or you go with your audience and start saying crazy shit. Yeah. Whereas like, for example, you have Dave, I, I brought up Dave Rubin because this is literally what happened to Dave Rubin. Like I, the, the yeah. example I remember is Dave Rubin at one point when he was still not entirely, Dave Rubin thinks his audience are not far right crypto fascist, but he's completely unaware that they in fact are that. But at one point he like mentioned gun control on his show. His audience started criticizing him and he started like literally fishing in the comments for his YouTube videos for them to give him a guest who could come on and quote unquote educate him on gun control. And of course, it just ended up with him talking to some far right crypto fascist. But didn't they also tell him he was disgusting for adopting yeah, a baby? Yeah, yeah, and he has now yeah. continued to kowtow on that front uh, about that, and that's really gross to me because it's like literally like that. I, I made the joke on Twitter earlier today that it's like that uh, guy from The Da Vinci Code flogging himself, except it's only for YouTube clicks, which is somehow more gross, right? Yeah. At least the dude and in The Da Vinci Code thought it had to, to do with like getting into heaven, weird. right? Twitter alternative. Yeah. yeah, it's really fucking awful. But with your, what you're talking about with Alex, I have heard, I, I think here's my position. I think Alex with his audience is still more in control of the narrative than Dave Rubin is uh, with his audience. Dave Rubin is completely captured by his audience. They are mm -hmm. in control of what comes out of Dave's And group. his guests too, oh, yeah. I would say. I mean, he's so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Alex still has a measure of control over where the narrative goes. There are some where you can see he has changed his narrative because of what the audience has done. So with coronavirus, when that began, his initial narrative was screaming, this is the end of the universe. Literally, uh, there will only be lone survivors is a quote given by his good buddy, uh, the health ranger, Mike Adams, who was on his show. And Alex sat along, sat there nodding along with it because it would sell more frozen, you know, dehydrated food buckets. Um, and then when the audience, because of, Trump and the, you know, Trump really is the one who is in control now. Uh, when they started to go towards the other side of no, coronavirus is nothing. Nobody's dying from this. It's all a lie. He had to change where his conspiracy was going on that. So there are examples of that. But on other areas of the conspiracy, Alex is still more in control than someone like a Dave Rubin is. But okay. this period, 2000, I would say to 2016, he was still mainly meat and potatoes conspiracy. 9-11 was an inside job condensation trails behind airplanes are actually chemtrails, putting out chemicals to, chemicals to either change the climate, control your mind, reduce fertility rates, whatever he wants to argue about at the particular moment. Uh, the existence of more gay people is because of a chemical warfare operation to turn you gay, which is not related to gay frogs. It's a different one. Uh, oh. Obama had a weather weapon that he used on conservative states, and also the Rothschilds had access to that weapon. Uh, vaccines cause autism. Uh, in 2009, he claimed Obama was creating FEMA camps to detain all the patriots. And of course, just about anything is part of a plot to institute a one-world government, new world order regime. And uh, one of those, like Jade Helm, right? We remember, I don't know if you remember hearing about that at all. That was one of his conspiracies. That a 2015 military exercise in Texas to simulate maneuvers in civilian areas was actually a cover for a invasion of UN troops overrunning Texas and putting patriots in FEMA camps. 
he did FEMA camps for years, despite the fact that they never came true, right? So he just kept going back to FEMA camps. Kevin, all these do- people do things for years, despite the fact they never come true. I don't know. He also <laughs> got- what else? You've literally spent yeah. hours looking at this, and you're like, well, he did that, and it never came true. Like, yeah, that's the whole fucking point. He also got really deep into Y2K. It had a truly oh, that's amazing show on New Year's Eve 1999 where a caller called in and said the nuclear reactor was melting down somewhere and someone else calls in and said that there were missiles being launched. He just saw it on CNN. They said there's missiles being launched and they don't know where they're going and Alex is just stoking fear and it's amazing because nothing fucking happened on Y2K. <laughs> I love it so much. Um... But throughout this time, Jones realized that he could use his multiple platforms, TV, radio, internet, to make shitloads of money. And he started off selling his own tapes, pamphlets, maybe a bumper sticker or two, and of course, encouraging people to buy many of them and give them to all their friends. And that's not all that crazy, because where Cooper had encouraged political activism, forming a militia in your area, most of his stuff he was a true believer in that he sold, right, his tapes and whatnot, or preparing for the coming race war, of course. Um, Alex's solution to every problem is always the same. It is listen to him, buy his products, and tell all your friends to do the same. That, is it buy more of my books and give them well, to all your friends? Literally? It used to be books. These days, it is actually bullshit boner pills and nonsense products that he sells on his website. So if you go over to the current InfoWars website, the first thing that greets you is a banner ad that pops up every time you visit the site that says that currently there is a uh, 4th of July sale going on where you can get up to 75% off and double Patriot points, Benedict. Isn't that a deal? Double Patriot points. It is, by the way, always a sale going on, and it is literally always on, double Patriot points. Did you say double Patriot points? Double what Patriot use, points. What can I use my Patriot points for? 365 days a year, you can get double Patriot points. What can I use them for? What do I do Not with the Patriot points? Not a goddamn point? thing. It's like oh, a fucking rewards sake. program. It's a rewards program. At the, the Knowledge Fight guys on one episode, and I don't remember where, so I won't be able to link to it probably. Dan went into like how much you get in rewards from X number of Patriot points and how Alex is like just must be either getting soaked or he has a way to make up for the losses of all these Patriot points that he's given out. I don't know how it works exactly, but... Wasn't someone giving him Bitcoin to pay his yeah, fucking... Yeah, yeah, a crypto-fascist uh, who gave a number of... Uh, Literally, who gave, crypto, crypto-fascist in both ways. Yeah, who gave millions of dollars to open white supremacists. Uh, I believe one of his big donations was to Stormfront. Because you can see where uh, cr- cryptocurrency goes from a particular wallet to yeah. another one. So we don't know who owns that wallet, but we know where... But it went to both Alex Jones and Stormfront. Alex Jones, Stormfront, other white supremacist organizations. He's getting... Alex Jones is getting money from neo-Nazis, yeah. Uh, But on the the current front page of the InfoWars website, uh, top article we have here is Breaking Texas to Declare Invasion at Southern Border in Attempt to Curtail Biden Open Border Policies. So that's apparently happening. Uh, We have... Sorry, just uh, on that note, I am a huge, huge fan of all the conservatives being like, this many this many people were caught crossing the border Uh this week. The border's wide open. Mm, Like, who do you think is catching people? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another article in their science and tech section from tomorrow. All new vehicles in the EU will have surveillance black boxes. 
AKA fucking Google Maps. <laughs> I mean, like, basically, yeah, but Google Maps. You click on that article, in. you find out really quickly that they're literally black boxes that just save information in case there's an accident. That's what it is. But yeah. they're trying to play that as, as so. I mean, again, yeah. Well, they're not wrong to be fair. I mean, they're, but... they're not. There is a thing, but it's not a big deal. They're playing it up for something very different than what it actually is. That's what it is. Uh, and of course, there are uh, what I would say is the meat and potatoes of InfoWars, which is all these special reports, uh, most often given by a good buddy of ours, Paul Joseph Watson, mm. acclaimed neo-Nazi. Uh, and uh, just for a taste, a taste, why don't we give it a couple seconds of this most recent special report filed by PJ Dubs, Agent Provocateurs Caught on Camera, subtitle, This is So Obvious. A shocking video out of the Netherlands shows what clearly appears to be undercover agent provocateurs retreating to a police van after being confronted by demonstrators. So what are the Dutch protesting? By the way, all that weird jerkiness is because he can't speak one sentence all the way through. He has to cut the goddamn audio and video every fucking three seconds or what? I don't know what his goddamn deal is. Well, in the name of fighting climate change, the government plans to cut nitrogen emissions by 50 to 95 percent by 2030. Problem being, that's going to mean the end of at least a third of Dutch farms with a 30 percent reduction in livestock, putting many of them. All right, that's enough of that shitty voice. Woo! He is from the same place as Sean Bean, (laughs) which is really like. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I assume it's funny. No. Just Sean Bean has such a cool voice and he has such a shit voice. Yeah, but uh, so the the reality, and this goes back to what a lot of this era of conspiracy is about, is taking a kernel of truth and distorting it to get to the point that you actually want to be true. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot is making up bullshit as well. Alex will just make shit up, create sources out of thin air that don't actually exist. But also, there is a glimmer of truth in that there is a video of a couple of cops being pushed out of these farmer protests in the Netherlands. But he calls them agent provocateurs when they were they were cops. I would argue that, you know, there's not a lot of difference between cops and agent provocateurs in a lot of cases. But also mm-hmm. he lies that these protests are about a law that is meant to combat climate change when actually this is about reducing, uh, I believe it's ammonia and nitrogen oxide in specific areas that are around nature preserves in the Netherlands. So that's why it's going to affect these dairy farmers in particular who are protesting in the Netherlands right now. Because cows, I don't know if you know this, cow piss is ammonia, and that's a lot of runoff into local wetlands and areas that they're trying to deal with. It's actually not a climate change-related bill that he's talking about. But anyways, that's that's that fun stuff. Isn't that interesting? I don't, sure. I don't I, yeah, really. I guess. But, Bennett, what about the InfoWars store? InfoWarsStore.com. Okay. InfoWarsStore.com. InfoWarsStore.com. Where you can okay, find... How much is he paying you to advertise? <laughs> He should. You can find such fantastic products as BrainForce Plus. And if you were to read the description of BrainForce Plus, oh boy, it's beautiful. Top scientists and researchers agree we are being hit by toxic weapons in the food and water supply that are making us fat, sick, and stupid. It's time to fight back with BrainForce Plus from InfoWars and InfoWars Life the next generation of advanced neural activation and nootropics. This all-new enhanced formulation not only contains 20% more capsules per bottle, but has been enhanced for maximum potency and even contains a brand new ingredient called black pepper fruit extract <laughs> for an extra kick. And I, Sorry, is this, <laughs> th- this Alex Jones claiming he makes a product that 
makes you not fat and stupid. No, I have heard people describe taking Brain Force Plus as like being on speed. I have heard people describe <laughs> it thusly. I, you know, I believe that. <laughs> it might just be bottled speed for all I know. I, I sure believe that. You can also, Benedict, purchase an exclusive InfoWars limited edition proprietary 24 karat .999 pure gold collectible. For the first time ever in a one-time exclusive limited run, InfoWars has teamed up with one of the nation's leading mints to help you acquire 24 karat .999 pure gold without paying $2,000 an ounce. Stock up on 24 karat .999 pure gold in the most popular size of one-tenth gram. Sure. <laughs> that would be the most popular size. I believe, I believe it. Fun- fundamentally believe it. One-tenth of a gram for $100. Ben, yep. do you know how many grams in an ounce? Uh, no. I will be honest and say no. Um, there are approximately 28 grams per ounce. So cool. if gold is selling for $2,000 uh, an ounce, I don't know what the current price of gold is, but that's what they put in the ad. If it's selling for $2,000 an ounce, and you pay $100 for a tenth of a gram, <laughs> fanatics. You're paying a lot more than $2,000 an ounce. That's true. You're paying yep. a lot more. Well, yeah, because it was once owned by Alex Jones. It has provenance, Kevin. <laughs> Ever heard of it? It's fucking insane. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. Uh, you can also, of course, get such fantastic products as uh, Alpha Power, Vital Male Androgen Biosynthesis Promoter, or Wake Up America, uh, uh, 100% Immune Support Blend Coffee. Such fantastic products. Ultimate fish oil. These are the sorts of things. This this is what he's selling. And there was a lot of hay made a few years ago about the fact that a lot of his products are the same things that are being sold on Goop by... Uh, why am I blanking on that actress? Yes! A lot of the same things just repackaged with a more manly focus going on. It's It's... Really weird, man. But he also, uh, one of the other things he has is his own proprietary video streaming platform. Because, of course, he has been kicked off of everywhere else on the internet. So he sort of has to at this point. Yep. And on there, you can find, for example, a couple of the the headlines on these videos. Uh, Alex Jones declares independence against the alien force and their cyborg army. That's a real thing that he put down. That's normal. So, I'm sorry, Cyborg Slaves of Satan. I got that headline wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, exposed birth rates collapse after vax. Globalists target kids with basically random capitalization there. You're almost at the SpongeBob <laughs> meme at that point. If you skip down a little bit better, you know what you'll also find? You'll find that American neo-Nazi Nicholas Fuentes has his own sure. channel on band.video. Because Alex, and he just posted a video yesterday, which has 20,000 views on the site, because Alex has no problem in making his platform available to white supremacists to get in and corrupt the people who Alex has already gotten part of the way there through all of his rhetoric. Cool. No problem with it at all. And all of this has, of course, made Alex fantastically wealthy. Documents from Alex's ongoing Sandy Hook lawsuit show that he made $165 million over the Jesus over three years from 2015 to 2017. For comparison, CNN had total revenue of $1.7 billion in 2020. Now, that's one year compared to three, but I think it's important to look at that. In 2020, 
Newsmax, which is actually on, or was until recently, on some pra- cable packages. Ha- I think it still is. It's what, what oh, American that's News right. got that's taken right. off. That's right. So Newsmax still is. Had a total revenue of $28 million. And 839 local news stations identified by Pew Research had a total combined revenue uh, in 2020 of $15.3 billion, which for simplicity, assuming they all made around the same revenue, means $18.2 million in revenue per station. And Alex Jones does a lot less work and puts out a lot less content than your local news station. And certainly... Yeah, it would be like us making $120 million. He made an insane amount of money. And Alex claims that all that money somehow goes back into the operation. But it is literally absolutely impossible for him to have spent anywhere near even what... Is he trying to tell everyone it's a non-profit? Like, is this this a 5013 The amount of times he talks about money and says, we're not going to be able to keep the lights on if you don't go to InfoWarsStore.com and buy that, uh, you know, we got the the good iodine, we got the new nascent iodine in, and you got to go and buy that. Otherwise, I don't know, uh, we might have to lay off some people. He literally does that. And I think the Alex who, who is he laying off? I don't know. As far as I can tell, he's never had to lay anyone off unless they step over a line of, you know, contradicting one of his conspiracies, which is something he did. um, Was that Savannah Hernandez? It might've been Savannah Hernandez. He fired for that. Uh, Or no, Rainbow Dash or whatever the fuck her name is, um, uh, who did a, a, a bad conspiracy that contradicted Alex's core narrative um, on the 2020 election. She was fired for that. What was it? What did she do? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was uh, Millie Weaver, I believe, is who was fired. And she, uh, okay, okay. if you look it up, you'll you'll find something about it. But anyways, none of that matters. But there's just no way he's putting all that money back into the operation. He His lawsuits have revealed he pays the idiots for work for him way too much, like close to or over $100,000 a year. But he doesn't have Jesus. nearly the actual staff that an actual news operation does. He doesn't engage in any actual news gathering. There's just no way that that $165 million, uh, the, what, what, to be honest, what most of his actual money probably goes into is the lawyers he has to pay for the fucking lawsuits he is rightfully losing. Um, for a number of years, Alex managed to trick people into thinking he was another one of those centrist guys because he hated people on the right and the left. But, you know, that's ignoring the fact that the people he hated on the right, he hated for not being far right enough, right? But in 2016, he abandoned even the tiniest remaining shred of pretense that he wasn't just a crypto-fascist far-right-wing hack when he went all in on Trump. And many people Mm -hmm. have speculated as to why, but I'd say it might have something to do with Roger Stone, the sad penguin imitator and Trump lackey, uh, who started appearing on Alex's show and even hosted his own program, under the InfoWars umbrella until his indictment in 2019, an eventual conviction. Oh, he did? He did. He had an InfoWars show. Yeah. And of course, uh, shortly before the election, Trump actually appeared on the Alex Jones show. Yeah, and said he was going to continue doing great things, right? That said was that Alex one. had a great reputation. Yeah, yeah. Really, really bad. So from 2016 yeah. onwards, the thrust of Alex's conspiracies changed from orbiting the massive communist conspiracy and being anti-government in nature to being devoted to supporting Trump at all costs. And it's weird to see him shred that last bit of anti-government patina, like a moth escaping the chrysalis, and show the world that he really is just into a government that pushes his personal brand of hardline Christo-fascism. Like, he really is just into that. Uh, For example, right, deep state, the term deep state. There have been plenty of think pieces talking about how that came from Turkey and blah, blah, blah. 
But where Trump got it is unquestionably from Alex Jones. And where the QAnon types got it is unquestionably from Alex Jones. Um, he went away from deeply crafted conspiracies with lots of lore to just more conventional spinning news and lying about it for Trump's benefit. And based on all available info, it appears that turning into a Trump cheerleader brought him even more money than before. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. It opened up honest. new audiences who would have ignored him otherwise, but now just because he's supporting Trump, he's a good guy, right? And we've seen that in the mainstream media too, right? We've seen more mainstream figures yep. deliberately yeah, yeah. mainstreaming Alex's conspiracies on purpose for what I would say are transparently cynical purposes and political gains, right? Like uh, Steve Bannon has promoted Alex Jones. Glenn Beck back in the day would just steal from Alex Jones whole cloth steal his rhetoric, steal his conspiracies. And Alex mm -hmm. actually called him out for doing that a number of times. Um, cool. Matt Drudge for decades mm -hmm. has linked to InfoWars articles on the Drudge Report, oh, really? providing legitimacy that. to idiots who think Drudge has credibility. And of course, Tucker Carlson has promoted, praised, and used Alex, things, right? Yeah. And nobody thinks Al Tucker, okay, nobody with a working brain thinks that Tucker believes Alex Jones's conspiracies. But Tucker obviously, correctly, thinks that Alex can be used to suit Tucker's promotion of fascism. Um, he sees, Tucker knows where the current GOP is, where the fringe mm -hmm. has become the center, and that they are ripe for using this conspiracy theory stuff in order to meet his own ends. And we'll talk about that in the final conspiracy episode. We'll talk more about the extent to which conspiracies pervade the right, what conspiracies the modern GOP believes in, that sort of stuff. But other than that, people ask if Alex is a white supremacist all the time. And the answer... It's fucking yes, of course he fucking is, right? He's promoted the white genocide conspiracy theory on his show, right? He once called um, NFL players kneeling, quote, kneeling to white genocide and violence against whites, right? He's a fucking piece of shit. Uh, he calls almost every mass shooting by whites false flags without fail, but anytime it's a non-white committing a shooting, eh, that one really happened, right? Uh, the one that pops into my mind is Chris Dorner, who was the mm -hmm. L.A. cop who went on a shooting spree after he was fired, uh, was an African-American man. That's the, like, the one that I can think of where Alex is like, man, this guy's actually out there doing it. Wow, really fucking weird. And he's, of course, associated with a shitload of far-right extremists. Uh, mm -hmm. Tex Mars, who is a white supremacist preacher who called Judaism a satanic cult and said Jews are conspiring to take over the world. That is someone that Alex Jones has credited as going to his church and thinking that that's a good church as opposed okay. to the other bad churches. Because right. Alex doesn't like those glitter bug churches, as he calls them. Uh, Paul Joseph Watson, who many of us knew, but recent audio has confirmed, is just a Nazi. Uh, Nick Fuentes, who is another Nazi, who Alex platformed after Nick was kicked off of most social media, who has made regular appearances on The Alex Jones Show, as I said, has a channel on Alex's video streaming platform. Uh, David Duke, who came, oh, fun. who was on the Alex Jones show in 2015, and it was supposed mm -hmm. to be a debate, but they ended up just agreeing with each just other. Just hanging about. out, just really vibing. It was like, really uh, just like the one point they didn't agree on was Duke wanted to say that globalist means Jew, and Alex is like, no, 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 man, just means globalist. It just, Of course, there are Jews who are globalists, but globalist doesn't mean Jew. That was the one disagreement they had, really. It's really amazing to watch, and I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, Jared Lee Lofter, the individual who shot Gabby Giffords, was a fan of Loose Change, the documentary that Alex Jones uh, uh, created. You know, he didn't create, but he... Uh, uh, what did he do with that? Uh, what's the word for that? Produce. He was the producer on the version of that. Uh, the Pizzagate shooter, 
who entered Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. rifle mm-hmm. and held the staff and p- people there hostage uh, while he searched for a, a you know, child... Satanic pedophile Satanic ring. pedophile ring that didn't exist. Wasn't Alex Jones fan. Alex Jones, of course, was promoting the Pizzagate conspiracy theory at that time. Uh, Andrew Anglin, the founder of the neo-Nazi website The Daily Stormer, said on a white supremacist podcast, Storm, hosted by Don Black, who has come up before on this show as well, because he's one of the people who was on that boat to go down and invade that small Caribbean island nation. (laughs) Um, Andrew Anglin said that Alex Jones was his gateway into white supremacy. That Alex cool. Jones is the one who got yep, him there. Great. Of course, the uh, founder of the Oath Keepers, the fascist insurrectionist Stuart Rhodes, is a regular InfoWars guest. He has been on more times than I can count. Uh, Gavin McInnes, founder of the fascist street gang The Proud Boys, is a regular guest. Big Jim Tucker was a close friend of Alex Jones, who wrote for the anti-Semitic magazine The Spotlight, which was founded by Willis Carto. See how all this stuff rolls back together. Pat, people from the past are coming back, Benedict. Mm-hmm. Willis Cardo, if you don't remember, is a Holocaust denier who we've talked about before, who founded the Institute for Historical Review, who really only wanted to review one specific bit of history, the Holocaust. <laughs> uh, Jim Tucker yeah. is also heavily featured in Alex's 2007 documentary, Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement. And there are many, many, many more extremists, hardline white supremacists that Alex is associated with than I can talk about here. And because of this, you know, many of us know that he was removed from Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and just about every other social media rep site of repute in August of 2018. But I will say the damage was done long before that point. So for people, most people, what they know about Alex Jones, it boils down to three things. 9-11, Sandy Hook, and gay frogs. And once again, I have to recommend Knowledge Fight because there's so much more to know about Alex Jones than we could talk about here. But Mm -hmm. just to get to one little point, one thing that people know about, Sandy Hook. And what people know is that Alex claimed that Sandy Hook was a false flag. And false Mm -hmm. flag, if you don't know, means that this was not a real event. This was done by the globalists, the government, whoever, in order to achieve a political result. And he has called basically every mass casualty event in the United States, with the exception of, as I noted, Chris Dorner's shooting, who was a black man, a false flag operation. Almost without fail, every single one, up until Sandy Hook, he called false flags. He got a little bit more cautious after he started getting sued for doing these things. But Funny how that works, isn't it? For example, the San Bernardino massacre, the Boston bombing, the Oklahoma City bombing, which that's really just the Coca-Cola classic of conspiracy false flags, right? Uh, mm-hmm. 9-11, the Parkland shooting, the Aurora, Colorado shooting, the Pulse nightclub massacre, the 2016 Brussels attack, uh, the fr- uh, attack in, attacks in Paris, uh, both on... Um, actually, one of those he called a false flag and one he didn't. I think it was the attack on Charlie Hebdo he didn't think was... He didn't call a false flag. I think the um, Bataclan nightclub attack he did call a false flag. But I don't remember Despite which being ones. done by the same people. Yeah. Uh, the, or, or am I thinking, no, which are the ones, they were separated by a couple months, right? There were two no, of them separated by a few months. Oh, no, yeah, maybe uh, you're right. You may, yeah, yeah, I don't, you're, I don't you're think right, those happened right, on the right. same day. Um, Sandy Hook, obviously, January 6th, the list goes on. But notably, there were some changes after Sandy Hook. And Sandy Hook 
was the first time where Alice got deep into the crisis actors version of the conspiracy. Before, he would say either, you know, the shooter was drugged up and sent out there by whoever Alex wants to blame, or that this was actually, you know, like a secret government hit squad who was sent in to do it, or, you know, in the case of 9-11, there were explosives in the building, whatever he wants to be. But with Sandy Hook, he, to his own detriment, claimed that everyone involved was an actor. These were all crisis actors. The children weren't real. The parents weren't real. And that's what oh. ended up getting Alex sued. Because if you're claiming that this group of people are not real, you're claiming that their children didn't die. Mm-hmm. They are a very definable group of people whose children were murdered. And so these people were able to say, well, he didn't necessarily say our names, although he did say some of their names. Uh, but even if he didn't say our name in particular, he was talking about us. Mm-hmm. And that resulted in Alex's fans harassing the families in just horrendous ways, right? Yeah. Finding them in public and screaming at them, sending them horrible emails and mail and real mail and leaving them voicemail messages, all these sorts of things, calling them actors, calling them liars, claiming their children never existed. And that's why Alex ended up getting sued. Disgusting and crazy. Yep. And as it currently sits, Alex has been defaulted on all of those lawsuits because he and his staff did not provide discovery, which is where you have to give over information to the other side in a lawsuit, and abused the process to such an extent that a judge finally just said, enough, you fucking lose. So he has officially lost those lawsuits, and he is liable. The only thing left to determine is how much he is liable for, and I'll link to a uh, Texas Monthly article that has a good overview of how this whole thing happened, how it all went down. And luckily, I think Alex's influence is on the wane, right? Because he's been deplatformed from all these sites, because of things like the Sandy Hook lawsuit, and uh, unfortunately, because other things like QAnon have risen and taken away some of his audience, which is not necessarily a good thing, because QAnon, not necessarily the greatest thing out there. And also, the increasing acceptance of conspiracy theories by mainstream GOP figures, which means that they don't have to go to Alex for this stuff anymore. So that's that's the Alex Jones story. That's cool. what it is. And you know, we don't really do dedications of episodes, right? I find it corny. But it is corny. If I could, for this episode, I would dedicate it to a man by the name of Marcel Fontaine. And in twenty eighteen, you might recall, there was a shooting in Florida, the mm-hmm. Parkland school shooting. Yep. Uh, and when that happened, InfoWars's web editor, whatever the fuck that means, Kit Daniels, posted mm-hmm. an article on the InfoWars website. According to him, he said during deposition at the request of Alex Jones, with a picture of Marcel Fontaine, claiming that Fontaine was the shooter. And of course, since he just got that picture from 4chan and did no checking right. into it yep. whatsoever, yep, yep, yep. that was obviously untrue, mm-hmm. right? Like, he literally just, he got... He got fucked by a... Fo- you know how 4chan, every time there's a shooting, they put up a picture of that comedian guy, Sam, whatever his name is, standing in the woods with a gun? They yeah, do that yeah. every time because yeah, yeah. they're assholes. Yep. Um, it was basically that, but they were using a different picture this time. Okay. And they used Marcel Fontaine. And so Marcel Fontaine was harassed, had his life thrown upside down, all this horrible stuff. And Fontaine was the first person to file a big lawsuit against Alex Jones. And after that... The Sandy Hook parents heard about that because it was big news, right? Because for some reason, we always cover Alex Jones because everyone wants to laugh at an idiot, even though it unfortunately gives him more visibility to people who who are inclined to believe in him. 
And then the Sandy Hook parents contacted the same lawyers who were representing Mont- Marcel Fontaine, who are fantastic fucking lawyers, by the way. Mm-hmm. I am in when I'm when I am someday leave big law, I am going to apply at their firm first because I want to work with these people. Uh, Chris Maddy uh, of this law firm is, I think, one of the <laughs> one of the most incredible lawyers I've heard do a deposition. Um, but it was because. Marcel Fontaine, despite he's a young man who was very troubled. He had a lot of mental health issues. He had a lot of stuff going on in his life. Um, he had the courage to file these lawsuits against Alex Jones that eventually the Sandy Hook parents were able to do so as well, or maybe were pushed that little extra bit of the way. And <clears throat> Marcel Fontaine passed away in May of this year at a fire at his apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And without that... You know, maybe Alex wouldn't be seeing the consequences that he is so justly due right now. Mm. So we don't do rec- we don't do dedications, but if we can, that. I like to dedicate to Marcel Fontaine. And there is uh, a fund, I believe, um, for his family for burial costs and things like that. I will link it in the show notes for anyone who wants it. But uh, that's our Alex Jones story. I believe that's the first time you've nearly cried on the podcast. It's like the, <laughs> all the all the horrible shit we've talked about, and that's what got you. Yeah, we've talked about some bad stuff on this show, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> I just I, I I've very, spent yeah, so much fresh. time following yeah. this yeah, this yeah. lawsuit because it has been endlessly interesting to me. Yeah. A because I am very impressed by the lawyers who are are suing Alex Jones, and B because the story is so incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And so I, when when I heard he passed away, I was a little bit, you know, it it, it got me. It yeah, got me because I, I'd been following his whole lawsuit for so long. It's, it's just, you know. Um, but anyways, Benedict, uh, that's where we are. That is you where we are. You think any better of Alex Jones now? No, why would this? Why? Why? What? what? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much. I'm a bad frame of reference for how much other people know about the topics that I am obsessed with, right? I have, I always walk around the world with this assumption that other people are as aware of right-wing crypto-fascism as I am. They and they not. never are, I, right? I, I promise you they are not. <laughs> they absolutely never are. But, um, I don't know. I feel like Alex Jones is one of the more well-known subjects in oh, this yeah, area. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Although yeah, there's yeah. probably a lot of misconceptions about him, I think. And like I said... We could never do justice to Alex Jones in a single episode. So if you want more on him, I do highly recommend the Knowledge Fight podcast. I don't even care if you leave us and just start listening to them. I I adore everything those guys do. Uh, it's, I, it's, I, would, it's a, I would care a little bit. Eh, it's I will say it's a podcaster's podcast, uh, by which, which is probably why it doesn't appeal to you, Benedict. Because no, I, as someone yeah. who's familiar with what it takes to put together an episode the way that they do it, where they pull all these audio clips and have detailed breakdowns of what the idiot is saying and why it's wrong, I'm aware of all the effort that goes into that and why it is so amazing they put together such a fantastic show. That's why I, I love it so much. And also, I'm endlessly fascinated by Alex Jones and the people in his orbit, right? Yeah. I just can't you get know. into it because it's too professional, which is a, that's a me, that's a me problem. It's professional? Yeah. It's a di- Benedict, they record in Dan's bedroom, just like we do no, in, but in I our just, I, I just means to me, it, it sounds too scripted and I can't yeah. do scripted podcasts. I just, it's not for me, but that's fine. Not everything but, is for everyone. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. 
for this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Polly Houtman, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Tinker's Dam, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Haleman, Utah Outcast, Paws, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Dodd Snow, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Taro Tucannon, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, this is how we do it. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.